love being here with you guys. I love the potluck. I love when just looking out and seeing people all around that grass area communicating and talking and just hanging out. I remember when we first started church, everything was, we had food all the time, right? Like every week, it's like, let's have another potluck. We realized that probably can't happen forever, but it's happened every month for over 12 years. So we're saying we know how important community is, and you are that community. And so we love the church. Well, I got this opportunity and the privilege to get to speak. Andrew, during the middle of the week, he said, I don't feel good at all. I mean, I feel really sick. And if you've ever tried to prepare for a message, maybe he, he's here today, but being able to be here is one thing. Being able to try to study when your mind's just messed up is tough. So forgive us because we are in chapter four of Hebrews, and this is your fourth speaker in four weeks. <laughs> so we are a church. You can see that we do pass around and just different guys will teach. What I hope you came to hear was God's word not just who is presenting it, but to hear God's word. And that's what we are here for today. If you are a person that takes notes, I typically like to title a message. Mine is Entering God's Rest. And you know what? For some of us, do you have rest in Jesus? Do you? Do you really have rest in Jesus? That's what we're going to try to talk about today. That's the things I want you to really hone in on. Do I personally have rest in Jesus. For the last three weeks previous to this, we've gone through chapters one, two, and three. And we know that some key words that have been brought up, and I wanted to bring them up again, some key words to understand about the book of Hebrews. We don't know who the, the writer is, but we, I will continue to say the writer instead of who it, I think possibly it is. I'm not going to tell you who I think it is. But the, he says, better appears 11 times. He says superior four times and greater seven times. The writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus Christ is better, superior, and greater than things or different people. Okay, so that's who he's writing to. He's writing to the Christians, Jewish Christians that have come to a saving knowledge of Christ. But he also realizes they fall into often laziness, legalism, and they deny Jesus of who he is. So he's encouraging them, just stay true to the faith. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, stay true to the faith. The writer is establishing Jesus is better than in chapter 1, the prophets. In chapter 1 and 2, that Jesus is better than the angels. Remember that talked on? And, and last week, Andrew talked about Jesus is better than the prophet Moses. And so he goes through a lot of history. But I want you to turn, if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand, you'll get a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, take that home, please. We want you to read the Word. But Hebrews, I want you to start in chapter 3, because we're going to go back. You're going to see a lot of forces, therefore. So it's therefore, so we're going back. So look at chapter 3, verse 5. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. So if you come to a house, the son is greater than a servant, right, in status? That's what he's trying to get across. It's, it's, Moses was a servant, absolutely important in the Jewish faith, important to us as we read 
all the books that he was a part of, read, of writing. But the son was the most important thing. So the writer is trying to show us that Jesus is greater than Joshua in chapter 4. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to go through 1 through 11, and then I'm going to catch the last two at the very end. So last week, Andrew began to talk about, and it came up the first time, about rest. Rest is mentioned in chapter 3 twice. Very important. But in chapter, in chapter 4, rest is mentioned 11 times. So guess why I mentioned about learning to understand God's grace, I mean God's rest. So if you're a highlighter, if you're a person that writes in your Bible, I want you to do this. As we're reading through Hebrews these 11, just mark when you see rest every time. So let's read. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who believed. Now we have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it shall remain for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time ago, or a long time later, he spoke through David as the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his works, just as God did for, uh, for his let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Let's pray. Father, as we open up your word and as we unpack this scripture, I pray that every one of us are listening and focusing in on your words. Father, help us to walk out of here today understanding what your rest is. And so, Father, help us to have ears to hear now and help us to tune into what you're trying to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we hear there. We heard therefore a lot, right? But you hear there. Who's the there? Who's the unbelief? What's this rest? If I was to do a survey this week, I was thinking, if I could do a survey of chapter four, here's what it would be. The ultimate rest of the writers trying to get across the Hebrews is it is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to get across. The whole survey is that. We find ultimate rest when we find the relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. Do you feel like the world is at rest right now? No, it's not. Matter of fact, the more people I talk to that don't know Jesus are restless. They don't have that rest. They're restless about future, about 
I've got, I got this slip, and what am I going to do about money? And I don't know what to do with all this. And my house, I'm going to lose it, and I'm going to have to move out of the state. And we're just restless. Well, today, I see this as a, a loss for people. They're lost into the future or what's going on in life. I was raised in the 60s and 70s. Yes, I'm old. For the rest of you, they're over 60s. But I was raised with this fella that was known as the king of rock and roll. You guys know who that is? Elvis Presley, right? So Elvis Presley, my wife, Deanna, raise your hand. She went to an Elvis Presley concert. Yes, she's old too. I didn't marry a 30-year-old. Well, maybe, maybe she was younger than 30 then. We've been married 40 years almost. But Elvis, I, I was reading this this past week, and Elvis' last concert was 1976. He went away to his hotel room, the Hotel Hilton in Las Vegas, and you know how you open up that little stand next to your bed, and there's always Gideon Bible, thank the Lord for that. And there's a pad of paper, rarely do I go to Hilton, but I'm assuming pad of paper and pen, right? And so he read, wrote out a prayer to God. A lot of us go, well, I didn't know that. Well, in, in 1992, there's a guy named Wayne Newton. Many of you know him, Wayne Newton, right? As a singer, he later wrote a song about this note because he purchased that note for a lot of money. In and so he wrote a, 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 a song in 1992 called The Letter. I'm not going to read you the lyrics to the letter, but I'm going to let you know the exact quote of what Elvis Presley wrote on his last concert in Las Vegas in 1976. He, he says this, quote, I feel so alone at times. The night is quiet for me. I would love to be able to sleep. I'm glad that everyone is gone now. I will probably not rest. I have no need for all of this. Help me, Lord. The guy that we know, king of rock and roll, the guy that had so much money and wealth and friends and everything you could buy, he says, I'll probably not rest. So we have to recognize that rest is not in always a place. Oh, maybe like some of us think, well, my best rest is at Disneyland. Well, that's not for me. I don't like an hour and a half line. But for some, it is great for them. But we're going to find out what is the rest for each one of us. So here's the scripture I want you to really hold on to, is finding this source of rest in Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what Jesus is saying? If you connect to me, so he's saying, if you connect to me, you find rest. Do you know what he's talking about in a yoke? Who's been to Orange County Fair? Okay, no, I'm serious. We go to the Orange County Fair and you go over there where you pet, see the petting animals and go look at that big oxen, the ox, the big one that's like over a thousand pounds. And in front of it is a yoke. You guys have probably seen a big wooden yoke. We couldn't pick up the yoke, much less carry it. So here's the way it works. 
In the old days, I actually got a plow as a kid because we were farm people in Oklahoma. And I literally, we used a horse though. But an ox was so strong. So what they would do is they would take a mature ox that's very understandable about what it means to work hard and stay with it. And he knows how to keep the line straight. But then he takes the teenage ox, you know, the one that's just full of energy and he just gets him next to him and he puts the yoke on him and he, 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 so to speak, mentors him. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, I'm gentle and humble, but you find rest for your soul. That's the yoke that we're supposed to understand that Jesus wants to place on us. Now this, the writer keeps talking about Jewish history over and over in this passage. And to help understand this, we have to understand that this one I'm going to talk about, this first one is a lesser rest. But it's what the people of Israel had to go through when they had this unbelief and this disobedience into this 40 years of wandering in the desert. Look back now at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. It isn't enough to almost enter his rest. We don't want to come short of it. Phil Gunn, a friend of mine from Dallas, was here this last week with his family. We go way back. I was five. He was four when we met. Best friends all the way through. College roommates. Very close buddy. We were talking about Team Hoyt. Anybody heard of Team Hoyt? You will in a second. You're going, who's that? That must be erasers. No, they are in one aspect. It's a dad and son team. Dick Hoyt is the dad. Rick Hoyt, his son, has cerebral palsy in extreme ways. A child could never even walk. He could never physically talk. Later on in life, computers started coming in. He was able to speak and say his mind and say things through the computer. He told his dad, Dad, I would like to run with kids just like me someday. His dad's out of shape. If, if I tried to run right now to where we were eating potluck, I probably wouldn't make it. My knees just shot. But his dad's out of shape, hasn't ever run any kind of runs at all like that. And yet, he's so faithful to his son. He says, son, I'll start getting in shape. You know this story. You've probably seen the video. It's phenomenal. This father and son team ran over 1,130 races, competitive. 32 of those were Boston marathons. You have to qualify you try to qualify with a 150-year-old-pound kid that you're pushing in a stroller? Can you imagine that? He was in over six Ironman. If you've ever watched him pulling his son swimming two and a half miles, riding a bike for 100 miles, and his son is right in front of him, or him pushing him that final 26.2 miles, this is a father that never came short. His son won every race ahead of him. He literally was the last one. His dad was behind him on everything. The greatest probably Father's Day uh, video I ever saw was that video, and I just bawled like a baby. A father that gives for his son. But we do not want to fall short like this chapter 1, verse 1 talks about. So this history lesson of wilderness wanderings. Look at, it, it, you saw the therefores a lot, so we're going to look at chapter 3 again at verse 7. 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the times of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and they tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a sec, but look at chapter 2, I mean verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. What was the good news to the children of Israel? The good news to them was they were released from slavery after 400 years of being enslaved in Egypt. And so all of a sudden there's this bondage to freedom, right? So they were offered to go into the promised land, but they rejected the good news. Because of their unbelief and because of their disobedience, they did not get to go into Canaan. Now, guess what they did? The whole time they were in 40 years, they complained. They moaned and groaned. Oh, I'm stuck with all this manna, which is bread. I'm stuck with this water. And occasionally I get quail. I'm sick of this. The moaning and groaning. Has anybody ever raised a teenager? <laughs> if you haven't, you were one. Do you remember when your kids, they look in the fridge, there is nothing to eat. They go to the cupboards, there's nothing in the pantry, there's nothing to eat. You're looking, it's full. This is what they're doing. They're moaning and complaining and wrestling and we don't get this. And they're just, they're, they're, that's pretty ornery, but that's how they were. As a result of their complaining and anger, God did not let them go into the promised land. It estimates over 602,000 people died in that 40-year journey. First generation didn't get to make it. The ones that made it was Joshua and Caleb as they came into this land. So the first lesson to learn from the writer is don't miss out on Jesus because of unbelief or disobedience. So this is one of the lesser rests. So now we're going to talk about another one. So the better rest, again, we know is found in Jesus. So we can't miss out due to our unbelief or our disobedience. Now the writer is going on to talk about Sabbath rest. You heard me as I read that. But let's read it again in verse 3. Now we who have believed enter, enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. He's quoting Psalm 95:11, And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. Now, when I was reading this in my office this week, I read that verse 5 and I thought, somewhere. The writer's going, somewhere it says something about God doing a lot of stuff in the six days, and then he rested. <laughs> Have you done that? Somewhere it says in the Bible about, you're supposed to submit to me, honey. Somewhere in the Bible it says, kids, obey your parents, right? So it's kind of where he's going. I, I was kind of giggling too when I was reading it. But he's really referring to Genesis 2, which he knew. God created the heavens and the earth, right? The plants, the animals, man for six days. And then what did he do the seventh day? He took a Sabbath and he rested. The fourth commandment is honor and keep the Sabbath day holy. It meant take a day of rest. Now, for some of us, like staff, I'm looking at Brian right now, Sunday's not our, not our Sabbath day. 
It's a day where we're moving, right? They're in there at six o'clock. We're getting ready for, for the service. We're, I'm, I'm loading potluck stuff up this morning. So we're preparing. So, that, so our, my day of rest ha- happens to be Mondays. That's my day off. You catch me in the backyard working on something with iPad. I mean, my earphones on. I'm listening to great teachings, and I'm probably singing. And matter of fact, Jillian that lived with us for a few years, she was going, he does. He just sings in the backyard. I am at rest, even doing gardening, because it's not my work. It's a relaxing thing for me. Do we have that rest? Does America rest well? No. We are restless. We are so restless. We're the other way. We don't understand that. But God knows that we need one out of seven days off. Pick that day. It could be Sunday. Seven-day Adventists push hard Saturday. I'm not going to go there. I believe, you know, Sunday was the first day of the week. That's why we worship God. And you, get, you thought Monday was the first day of the week because you go to work? No, it's Sunday. Remember, on your calendars. But it's pick a day. Here's some crazy statistics. 55% of Americans don't take advantage of their paid time off. They're owed it. They can take it. It's paid for. They don't take it. In a year, the amount, this is staggering, is $65 billion is left on the table. Americans just going, I didn't have time to take a day off. Wow, we got to be careful. Take vacations. Go. Have a Sabbath day. We need a physical rest day. Do you know that even modern appliances have shutoffs? <laughs> Did you know that? Have you ever used a blow dryer so long? I, my heater on my pool doesn't work very good. So it's weird, but I put a blow dryer in there, and I run it for a while, and then it kicks it on. It's weird. I know if you're a plumber or person, help me with that. It worked. I just know when it's warm days, it works. When it's cold, it's not. So it's cold, put a blow dryer. But it shuts off, right? Has a shut off. You have a floor heater and you knock it over. What does it do? Shuts off. Built in. But we don't have a built-in rest day. We should, as believers, have a built-in rest day that's our Sabbath. Well, the physical rest is important, but again, the biggest rest I'm trying to get across is we need Jesus. That's the most important thing. Now, the writer talks about Joshua. Joshua followed Moses, right? He is now going to lead the children of Israel into the rest of the promised land. How many of you feel sorry for Moses not getting to go in? How many of you? Come on, three of us? Okay. I, this week, again, felt real sorry for Moses. I'm going to a guy that was the leader, 40 years, you know, getting the word from God, going and having to deal with the Pharaoh, all those plagues, getting them out and releasing them, and he doesn't even get to go in the promised land. I'm just like, poor Moses. Well, listen to this. Remember, they're complaining, 40 years, and complaining, he's hearing all of this, this complaining. He was, all of a sudden, they came to a point where there was no water. They had the manna, but they didn't have any water And they're saying, oh, Moses, you've taken us out of Egypt, and at least we had water there. We're going to die in the desert. We don't have food. We don't have any gleeks, onions. We don't have any good things to eat here. I'm so sick of this. And as they're hearing this, Moses, he was told to speak to the rock, 
And he's taking his staff and he's going, I'm here sick of listening about them complaining about, I don't know if he's doing this, but he's just smacking that rock and he's going, I'm sick of hearing about the garlic and he's sitting there and all of a sudden water gushes out of the rock. And God said, because you did not obey me, Moses, you don't get to go in the promised land. Oh, I feel so sorry for Moses. We don't have to. But read, if you want to read a little bit more about it, read, Mos- read Numbers 20. You'll get the whole story about that. But Moses, here's what I really want you to listen to. Moses represents the law. Do you know the first, book, first five books of the Bible he wrote? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. He represents the law. Joshua, Joshua, would take the people into the promised land. Joshua's name in Hebrew means God is deliverance. Do you know if you abbreviate his name, do you know what it is? Yeshua. Who else is Yeshua that we know of? Jesus. So Joshua in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the type of Christ. The bigger picture I want you to get here is Moses could not have taken the children in. You know why? Because the law will never take you into the land of rest, ever. We can never work our way into that rest. We cannot earn our way in. It's not about works, it's about grace. It's the exercise of our faith that is given through his grace. So Joshua is a picture of grace as he takes them into the promised land where they will experience the rest. So we've seen history to find different rest of the promised land, the rest of the Sabbath, but those are all less rest. The greater rest is when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've said this at least three times because I want you to hear it. I want you to understand it. Look at verse 11. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The rest is there. We just read it, right? We have to enter that rest. And God loves us so much that he does not force us into the rest. We must enter that rest. It's something that we must do. The rest is entered by faith. Faith is not passive. It takes diligence to trust in him. We have to rely on him. We have to cling to Jesus and his works for us. So it's not passive. It's aggressive that we have to understand that faith. And then these last two verses that I didn't read, because I can do a whole sermon on verse 12. And matter of fact, if you would have seen my notes as of Friday, I had 25 points for this last verse, but I'm going to bless you with five. <laughs> because this, if you've ever been around me, if, whether I'm counseling with you or if I'm talking with you and you share about issues going on in your life, I'm saying, are you going to the Word? Are you going to the Word? You're going to hear me give a good voice that may give you some good ideas, but are you going to the Word? Here it is. Look at it. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing our soul and our spirit, our joints and our marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I just want to touch quickly on verse 13. You see where it says, nothing at all can you hide from the Lord. Nothing can you hide from the Lord. He knows every one of your sins. You can't hide them. There's no secrets. How many of us, like me and my, my wife, raised in the same denomination, how many of you thought at the judgment seat, when I'm sitting before the Lord and all of my brothers and sisters are there, there's going to be this Trinitron. If you don't know what that is, go to Sci-Fi Stadium and look at the biggest Trinitron you've ever seen. And I thought, the video of everything I've done, they're going to see the Brock, the real Brock, not the one that's up here, the real Brock. Well, look at, look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Micah 7, 19 says, he will again have compassion for us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins in the depth of the sea. Is that encouraging? You don't need to see all my junk. Jesus knows it though. God, I mean, God knows. But guess what? He doesn't remember that stuff. That is encouraging for you and me. And this last thing, I'm going to just give you five things that I promise. We're at the very end of this. Five important things to know about the Bible. First of all, you need to remember it's alive and it is active. And so whatever the Lord has been speaking to you about this passage today, you're supposed to turn it into action because he's speaking to your heart. It's not me. It's the Lord is going between the, the bone and marrow and he's speaking to you about rest. Something, right? So here's the first one. A double-edged sword. So five things about the Bible. A double-edged sword. I read it. But it, this is what cuts me open. This is what convicts us. This is what draws to the top. And, he, and you deal with it. The second one is, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. It guides me. Psalm 119 says, it guides me. It's like that flashlight before me that takes me down the path. He didn't let me know what's going to happen tomorrow. He says, you got enough troubles today. You don't have to deal with tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to happen. Just rest with me today. And then I'm going to be that lamp and that light. The third one is fire. Fire refines me and a hammer that breaks up the hard places of my heart. Jeremiah 23, 29 says this, Is not my word like fire, which refines, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? I went last week with my Dallas friends, took them to another one of our beautiful gloomy days that we get in May gray and June gloom. Even though yesterday the sun came out, I'm going, yes! Oh, there it went. But right, we took them to, have you ever been to the Montage? in Laguna. I've never stayed there. I can't afford a thousand bucks a night. But I go there and for free and walk the grounds. And I did a wedding there a few weeks ago. But I walked the grounds and went down to the bottom and we play. There is a spot on this hill that has all those crystals, the white, beautiful crystals. So Oompa's with them, right? So we're getting rocks and we're trying to break out these crystals, you know, breaking the, we're just destroying the crystals. What we're, doing. we're breaking the rocks. 
And one of my grandsons turns to me, Oompa, wish we would have had one of your hammers from the shed. We could have broke these easily. You hear what's happening here with the word? It says it's a fire that refines us, and that's good. But some of us, and I'm going to say men, need a hammer that breaks us into smaller pieces so we can deal with that. And so that's what the word personally does for us. Fourth one is water. Water that washes away the impurities of my heart. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. When you read the word, you just feel clean. Just read the raw word. Not someone else's devotion. No, I'm not saying those are wrong. Someone else's podcast. But read the raw word and let it clean you. It'll do that. Last one. Pure spiritual milk. That nourishes me and helps me to grow. First Peter verse 2 says this. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Isn't that great scripture? We have to find rest in Jesus. We find rest in Jesus through circumstances of our life where he teaches us. But I'm telling you, do you want to know who God is? You read his word and you get to connect with him. And he speaks to you because it says it's alive and it's active. What was written thousands of years ago pertains to June 4th right now for us in 2023, for you specifically. I want you to get in a posture of just close your eyes. I just want to see where you are with us. Are you right now restless? Restless about finances? Restless about uncertainty? I can't find that spouse. Man, I just, I, I keep having this ailment in my life. My family members are sick. There's cancer, whatever it is. What is going on with you? Have you found rest in Jesus? He is the only source of that. So if your head's bowed, I just want you to, first, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If that answer is yes, I want you to feel secure in that right now. That you said yes. When Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, you opened the door and he came in and he lives in you. So be secure with that. For maybe someone in this audience that has said, I have no clue what that rest you're talking about because I've not asked Jesus to become Lord and Savior to me. For you, it's as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I recognize that you went to the cross for me specifically, for my sins. I'm going to give those to you right now. And you hung on the cross for me. And the third day later, you rose and you gave me life. And so now I accept you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Pour out your heart to him right now. If some of you have sin, confess it right now. 
there's something going on today, last night, this week. Maybe you cheated on your taxes this year. Maybe you had sex last night with someone that's not your spouse. I don't know what it could be. There's extreme things that go on in our lives because we tend to give into the flesh so easy. I'm asking you right now, just confess right now to Jesus. The Lord hears us. And he goes, he says, he goes on behalf of us right to God. So Jesus hears us and he knows our prayers. So I just would ask of you to just ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here. If they got nothing else from this lesson, help them to figure out what is the area I need to rest in. Maybe they need to take a day week to rest. Maybe they needed to step into that promised land. Maybe for them, it was knowing absolutely that I am have Jesus in my life. I'm not sure about tomorrow. I'm not sure about next week or next month or next year, but today I rest with Jesus and that's enough. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.